Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, it was a hero's welcome as the Louisiana Raging Cajuns men's basketball team returned home to the Cajun Dome yesterday afternoon, early evening, after having won the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. We'll talk about that and so much more. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one. Of course, I'm joined inside the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development, of course, is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction by the producer, soon-to-be extraordinaire, Dawson Iserlow. Got a great show lined up for you today. We just don't say that here. We mean it on this hump day edition of RP3 and Company. We're going to be talking... All things LSU, the LSU men begin SEC tournament play tonight when they take on Georgia. We'll have that game for you right here on the game. We'll talk about that, the baseball team and the women's basketball team with our guy Ron Higgins, the award-winning columnist from Tiger Details. Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, will join us recapping the tournament, also looking ahead to tonight's, you know, Pretty big midweek contest for both the softball program and the baseball program as they take on old Interstate 10 rival McNeese. And maybe even talk a little spring football, which kicked off yesterday as well. And then Andrew Juge from the Saints Half Hour podcast will join us to give his reaction about the Derek Carr signing. Look around the rest of the NFL as well. Lots of dumb, stupid money being thrown out for quarterbacks. A lot of middle-tier guys getting paid a lot of money. That is what the market says. And what do the Saints do from here? Now that they got Derek Carr lined up, signed, how they address the other needs on their team. So those are our three guests that we have lined up for today. Of course, we'd love to hear from you. You know that. Game hotline's always open. Just as long as you're nice to Dawson, that's all that matters. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. And we'll get to McNeese men in women's basketball postseason runs coming to an end. We'll touch on that. We'll touch on so many other topics as well. But first and foremost, good morning, Dawson. How are you? Getting through it. That's what we're doing today. <laughs> Getting through it. But that's that that feels like pretty much every day for me. Just yeah. gonna throw it just gonna throw it out there. The good it thing, pretty much feels like every day to me. 
The good thing about the studio is that it's been a different computer actually every single day this week that's malfunctioned. So I like that they're keeping me on my toes electronically here. It's really a test. Yeah. Did no one tell you? I mean, no, it, it would seem that way. If you kind of went through the details of how weird it's been, it would seem that it was on purpose. But we got it done. It would seem that it's on purpose. We would get it done. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to get through, bud. We're going to get through. Uh-oh, he's looking at his headphones. That's no good. That's no good. Uh, no good. No good. Those were also gone this morning, but it's okay. These, I guess these are actually a little more comfortable, so that'll work. <laughs> oh, man. So the basketball team comes back home, and of course you can see it all. We have it posted on our YouTube channel once again. If you haven't subscribed, go subscribe, turn on those notifications, and you'll see the return of the Raging Cajuns to some fans, how happy they are. They're rocking their Sunbelt Conference championship gear. You can check it all out on our YouTube channel. Once again, that's at the game, Louisiana. That's at the game, Louisiana. You'll find that in so much more on there. And look, they should be happy. They should be filled with joy. They accomplished something that they haven't done since 2014. That's a big deal. It's a huge deal. So, now they can rest. And I think this works in favor of the Cajuns. Not to say that they're going to be able to go into the NCAA tournament and pull off some upsets. Not to say that they're going to make a magical run in the big dance. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this extra time off can only help them. Playing three games in three days, being tested twice in the semis and in the finals can only help them because now they can prepare. Now they can rest up. Now they can get Greg Williams, give him the proper rest that's going to be needed because of the turf toe issue. And they can just work on themselves, work on some drills, and just go from there. And I actually, look, I don't like the fact that getting ready for the tournament is so disjointed. Not a big fan of that with all the tournaments going on at different times. Right, It doesn't feel smooth, if you will, but I understand it. It's all done for television purposes, and there's only so many TV channels to put all these games on. So I get it. I know why it's happening. But them having the time off is actually a good thing. <clears throat> this gives them time to rest. This gives them time to say, okay, hey, we won the conference tournament. That's great. Now we can focus on preparing to travel. Now we can focus to preparing an NCAA tournament game and trying to take down a higher seed. I like the extra time that the Cajuns now have their, at their disposal, Dawson. I think it's a huge advantage for Bob Marlin's team. They get time to rest, and they get time to 
kind of refocus because, look, we see this a lot of times. These teams will win a conference tournament. They'll feel great about themselves, and then they're still a little hungover, so to speak, from this, uh, from winning the conference tourney. This gives them a little time off here to prepare and be a little bit more focused for the NCAA tournament. I think it's an advantage for the Cajuns. Yeah, the flip side of that, if, if you wanted to play Dell's advocate, would be that they're going to have more than a normal amount of time off. So you only uh, you maybe worry about stepping into a situation like that and, and playing well right away, you know, because um, we've seen that kind of as a thing. That was some of the conversation, though, with the double bye in the Sun Belt basketball tournament, which didn't seem to affect the Cajuns really much at all. They played really probably their – you know, they're, well, I, I don't know if I'd say their best game. I think South Alabama was their best game, but they played very well in their first game of the tournament against Georgia Southern. Um, now, Georgia Southern, who had played bef- the night before, didn't, or two nights before, didn't look very sharp. So that would be the only thing on the other side. But yeah, the rest, uh, the health thing is going to be a good thing for the Cajuns. They should get healthier. They should, um, you know, Greg, that's going to be the big one. You know, I went back and watched the game yesterday and tried to kind of look for anything. And, I mean, Greg was moving okay. So, I mean, it, it clearly became a situation. I don't know if the pain kind of went up as the first half went on because he played, you know, throughout the whole first half. And um, I was kind of watching specifically for that, and I didn't see anything. So that does give me hope that, um, you know, hopefully now hopefully he didn't re-injure it in any way or re-aggravate it, you know, and maybe that's why he didn't come back in. But, um all, all signs are pointing towards Greg, you know, probably being okay to at least give it a go. And I think that's going to be key because, again, for most of the season, he was your second leading scorer. And at times, he was your best scorer. He kind of carried the offense through uh, stretches of conference play. So I think he's pretty crucial to anything you're going to try to accomplish in this tournament. Correct. And you're right about, you know, the Southern Miss coach was – very vocal about how he didn't care for the tournament format. And and, and to that point, there's not going to be a perfect conference tournament format, by the way. You could go, okay, well, just take the top eight teams. Do like the Southland does where you don't take, but they still have teams that get buys too. So you could make it fair and say everyone has to play the same amount of games. You could do that. But that's not fair, really. But then – your regular season champs are like the Cajuns. You don't get any advantage for finishing up that high. So there's never a perfect scenario. Like, I understand the Southern Miss coach was upset and said, well, I don't really care for this format. Okay. But at the end of the day, you were the regular season champs. You should be able to beat the lower seed. Like, that's what it boils down to. It still comes down to you playing a game. And this notion of, well, we had too much time off. Then that means you didn't practice the right way. Because the Cajuns had the same amount of time off, and they won the whole conference tournament. Did they not? And they beat South Alabama. Did they not? So, I I get it. It may not line up the way that you want it to, but if you're good enough to win the regular season championship, you probably need to figure out a way to be able to practice and get your team prepared enough to be able to handle playing a lower-seeded team that has a losing record, or not in the case of South Alabama, that would be Texas State. But a team that is a lower seed and be prepared for that game. Yeah, so the the two ways to look at it, I think this is a very good format as far as balancing, giving the top seeds an advantage as far as the number of games they have to play while also allowing for an exciting tournament format where you can still have surprises. Because 
If you want to do what the Southland does, I don't mind that at all because what that does is it extremely it puts a ton of value on the regular season and it really rewards those teams for winning it. Correct. And I think that format is kind of designed specifically. We've seen that in a little a lot of the lower level conferences because I think what they're trying to do is ensure that one of those conferences don't have great teams top to bottom. So I think they're trying to ensure that one of their better teams is the one that represents them in the conference in the, in the NCAA tournament. So you're giving they're giving triple buys to the one and two seeds, and then essentially having everyone play a ladder format. So McNeese and UNO and the teams that McNeese and UNO played in the first rounds would have had to play four games, or was it five games even? I think it's five games they would have had to play, whereas the one and two seeds would have only had to play two. They get an automatic triple buy to the semifinals. So if you want to have a super rewarding format, now the the, the flip side of that is if the three and now it didn't happen in the Southland tournament because the seven and eight seeds McNeese and UNO decided they wanted to play good basketball but if the three and four seeds win those games in the quarterfinals where they got the double by two then they get the game where they get the ramp up game so to speak and then play the one and two seeds which is what essentially what Jay Ladner was complaining about he was complaining that South Alabama got basically a ramp up game against App State got a chance to play in the gym and then played them the next game I think he's thinking that the advantages comes later on when you've had like the Cajuns who played South Alabama when they were probably wearing down. I don't know. Regardless, I, there's no yeah, like you said, either you want to get. I don't get his logic at all though. What, what did he want? Not to have a buy? Like I don't. Then then fine. Georgia Southern had a ramp up game. Then go ahead and if, I, if that's what he wants, then go ahead and give the regular season champion the option. If you want to turn down the buy, go ahead and play in the first round. Like I don't, I don't get what he wants there. It's it's sour grapes, and I, I look. Oh, they get the ramp-up game. But yeah, but they're also the lower seed, right? Like they're in And they're playing spot. a game that they can lose. Like, they're Correct. playing a game that they might lose and go home in. There's not a guarantee that and they're going to win the game. you don't have to play that game. So. I, I just think that boiled down to having to face a team that drubbed you by more than 30. <laughs> like, a week earlier, and that you have to play them. Right? I, I think that's what that more of that boils down to. So, Raging Cajuns return home once again you can catch it all go to our youtube channel at the game louisiana that's at the game louisiana to see all the videos that we posted from the raging cajuns glorious return home from pensacola yes that's right kevin foot and i beat the raging cajuns home they stayed another night (laughs) and took their time back go check that out when we return here on rp3 and company we'll talk about the mcneese men and women Their postseason runs come to an end last night inside the Legacy Center. We'll talk about that next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Postseason runs come to an end for both the McNeese men and women's basketball teams last night inside the Legacy Center. A nice showing for both programs. They, let's be honest, were on the struggle bus this season from really kind of start to finish. 
Neither team got out of the gate like you would hope they would. They had some moments. The women had more of those moments than the men did during the regular season, but both of them were well below 500 and had to fight and claw their way into their conference tournaments. But they had a nice showing, right, in front of the hometown crowd. And that's something that they can hold their high, uh, head high about, if you will. The men make it all the way to the semifinals. Remember, John Aiken's team had to win their regular season finale at home against UNO and then needed both Incarnate Word and Lamar to lose to get into the Southland Conference Tournament as the eight seed. Well, they take down the five seed. Then they take down Nichols. They advance all the way to the semifinals. But one of the best teams in the conference, the actual number one seed, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, was just too much for the McNeese men last night, winning that game 80-63. to Christian Shoemate became the Southland Conference Tournament's all-time rebounding champion. <laughs> Think about that. He played in three games this season. <laughs> three games in the tournament this season, two last year. With his 15 boards in Tuesday night's semifinal game, they became the first eight-seeded team to play in the Final Four round in the conference tournament's history. Shoemate had 30 points to record his sixth straight double-double and 16th on the season. In three games at the conference tournament, the sophomore forward out of Chicago averaged 26.7 points and 13.7 rebounds. His 41 total rebounds broke a 33-year-old tournament record of 35 rebounds that was set by Ronnie Morgan of North Texas back in 1990. This just in, Dawson, Christian Shoemate's a good basketball player. Just to let you know, he's a good basketball player. Yeah, he needs a couple more of those around him, most likely. I also felt early in the season, if we're being honest, they tried to turn him into something that he wasn't. They made a conscious effort, John Aiken and his staff, that they wanted him to kind of change his game, develop more of a shot, do this, do this. And he struggled. Like, if you look at the first, I don't know, eight or ten games of the season, you're like, what happened to Christian? Aiken and his staff just finally told him, go play your game. Just go play your game. And you know what happened? He became a double-double machine. Sometimes coaches, look, sometimes you just got to let players play their game, right? <laughs> you just kind of have to, you kind of just have to do that. And not only did Shoemate start playing at a high level and all-conference level, once again, he was the only McNeese player to earn all-conference honors on the men or the women's side this season. He became a double-double machine. He just broke a record that was set in 1990. Moving forward, Christian obviously is the team's best player. And you got to let him play and let him play his game. And then find pieces to put around him to complement his game. That's what you're going to have to do. Yeah, and you don't lose a ton. So, I mean, you know, if, if in theory, if some of those guys around him can improve, which is certainly possible, and I'm sure you're going to, try to bring in a couple of guys, whether it be the portal or the recruiting. I mean, this this roster at least showed you something down the stretch, right? They looked dead in the water for a long time, but they played better. And, you know, I mean, Shoemate, look, if he chooses to stay, 
Um, now, I do think he's already a guy who's transferred once before, so you know I, it's not necessarily an easy thing for him if he wants to jump back in the portal. I don't know exactly what his full options would be, but if he does choose to say, he's kind of proven that he can dominate the Southland Conference at times. So, I mean, that's 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 something for you to build around for he's, sure. He's one of the top eight to ten players in the league. So, you're right. Now, they're going to have to do a nice job of re-recruiting him. Because this is the era we live in, right? You have to re-recruit your own players. And we also live in the era because of the transfer portal that someone goes, hey, that guy was really good. Look at what he was able to do on a program that hasn't been good in a while. Maybe we'll go give him an opportunity to play for a good program. That's going to be the other problem for the Cowboys heading into this offseason. Yeah, but again, since he did play at Tulsa, I, I think he would have to sit out a year, as far as I know, unless he's a graduate, which I'm not sure he's had enough time to do that. Um, I don't believe he so, is a graduate, correct? As far as I know, I mean, the NCAA has some weird waiver policies and stuff, but if he did want to transfer again to another Division One school, I believe he would have to uh, sit out a year since he's the only thing that, that The only thing that would give him the opportunity is if there's a coaching change, correct? Doesn't the NCAA... If the coach that brought you in is fired or is let go or something like yeah, that or I, leaves, I, then you get one of those special waivers. I think so. I, I don't I know that's if that's in, yeah. I don't know if that's impacted by which I guess now it now it couldn't be by the the one time transfer rule anyway. So that that's probably in play if if that's what McNeese decides to do. The women, meanwhile, they were eliminated from the tournament yesterday in a dramatic fashion, losing in overtime to Lamar. 80 to 75 there in the second round of the Southland Conference tournament, the quarterfinals. They wrap up their season with a 12 and 19 overall record. Once again, Lynn Kennedy's team never really got going this year. Uh, they had some pieces, but they just could never kind of come together. Lamar jumped out to an early lead to start the game, held a 10 point lead after the first quarter, but credit Lynn's team. They were able to cut the lead, kept cutting back, cutting back, cutting back. They get to overtime, but unfortunately didn't have enough left in the tank. Four Cowgirls scored in double figures. Chamberlain led the way with a season-high 23 points on 10 of 15 shooting, including making two three-pointers. So both McNeese programs are eliminated from the Southland Conference Tournament, but as we talked about before, they got there, right? Both programs got to the conference tournament, the conference tournament that the university was hosting, and they both won some games. So there's no egg on the face there for McNeese Athletics because their two basketball programs not only made the tournament, but they both won games. That's a good look, right? That's better than what the alternative appeared to be, what, a month ago, where we were like, eh, could be a good possibility that neither team makes the conference tournament. So congratulations on being able to uh, finish strong for both the McNeese girls and men's program. Poll question of the day. It's Wednesday, which means it's our foodie poll question of the week. This is inspired by a conversation had on the road trip to Pensacola with the one and only Kevin Foote. If you don't know, Footsie is a old-school hamburger guy. Doesn't like cheese on the burger. Feels like cheese takes away from the burger, takes away from the meat. Also, not a big fan of having bacon on his burger. I am the opposite. Now, 
I love cheeseburgers. I don't feel like the cheese takes away from the burger because it's a cheeseburger, so it's supposed to have some cheese taste and still also taste like the burger. That's how I view it. And as someone who worked in the fast food industry and made plenty of burgers in his teenage years and early 20s, I'm down. I will eat a plain hamburger all day long. Don't get me wrong. Delicious hamburger is still a delicious hamburger. But Foot is no cheese on the hamburger. He prefers a hamburger, not a cheeseburger. Couple thoughts on this one. Um, I think cheese, first of all, when you're talking about burgers and you're talking about fast food burgers or just, you know, regular burgers that you don't necessarily trust, cheese can cover up a lot of issues. A lot of dried out burgers can be saved by a little bit of cheese. A greasy burger can be saved too. Yeah. So I think that's a big key here. My take, I, I understand the angle foot's coming from that. I think about it for pizza, right? I like when when I'm going to a new pizza place and I want to, you know, a place that supposedly, you know, got great pizza, I want to try a slice of cheese pizza. I don't want to try. Look, anybody can throw bacon and sausage on a piece of pizza and make it taste good. But what does your foundational pizza taste like? The, the dough and the sauce has got to be on point, my man. And the cheese and, and, the cheese. and whatever they're going with. Yeah, that's. So that gives me an idea. So I really appreciate a good piece of cheese pizza sometimes. People think that's, you know, too simplified or whatever. Look, I like a supreme piece of pizza every once in a while or a, or a meat lover's pizza. But on the first time when you go, yeah. you want to try a slice of cheese to see if their basics yeah. are on point. And for their basics are on point, then D'Lo says, all right, I'm going to explore the rest of your menu. There you go. That's perfectly put. I like that. That's a good – I like that. That's our poll question of the day. It's always our foodie poll question of the week is always on Wednesday. Do you like cheese on your burger? Yes, cheese is great. No, prefer plain burger. Or your other option, it does not matter. Right now, 67% of you say yes, cheese is great. 17% say no, prefer the plain burger. 16% say it does not matter. Keep those votes coming on our foodie poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. We got to take a time out. When we return here on RP3 and Company, what do we have in store for you? How about a little UL softball baseball? Big midweek game tonight for both programs for Jerry Glasgow and Matt Deggs' squads. We'll hear from them next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to The Game's YouTube channel, At The Game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Yeah, you hate losing three games in a week, and, and it could have been four real easy, but... Uh, looking back on the week is something that I think we all are going to look back on and be very thankful that we got the opportunity to go through it, uh, get tested, uh, get exposed a little bit, all of us, and uh, have a chance to come back together, uh, fix it, get it right, and respond against a, a super talented uh, uh, Campbell team. Uh, baseball is a sport that uh, you're going to get tested and you're going to get tested a lot. And you've got to have some uh, mental tenacity and fortitude about you and some grit. And I uh, thought we had an opportunity to show that yesterday and uh, get back on the right track. Matt Diggs, UL baseball skipper, talking about the last week. And remember last week, 
They go on the road. They lose to McNeese, five to four. They claw back in that game, fall, uh, come up just a little short on a midweek game, and then Campbell comes to town. And once again, Campbell is a good program, a very good program. They went to an NCAA regional a year ago. They won their conference tournament. Campbell can rake, as we found out. I don't necessarily mind Degs's take here. I really don't, Dawson. He, I think he's built the way that he likes his team getting tested. I think he likes the fact that his team was not only tested, but they dropped a few games, a close games. There's things that they still need to work on. And some adversity never hurt anybody. And that's kind of how Deggs is built. So if you can experience this adversity with losing two of three to Campbell, but you you rally to win, right? You, you win the finale. You hold on to win that game. So you can salvage. You avoid being swept. You rally but fall just short of being McNeese on the road. These are some early season tests that can only help your program down the road. That's why I don't hear panic in Deggs' voice. Plus, he's got a veteran team. He's not going to panic anyway. Yeah, he's not built to panic, obviously. No. But, uh, yeah, look, Campbell's a top 25 team now after the weekend that they had. Part of that's because they took 2-3 from the Cajuns. And so a little bit of that is still dependent on what we're projecting the Cajuns out to be, right? But that also kind of shows you how the uh, college baseball media feels about Campbell. They're a great team. I mean, they, and we saw it last year, so this shouldn't be a surprise. And... It's one of those series where we said coming in, hey, they swing the bats, this and that, and then they did. Like It wasn't like they did something that we weren't expecting them to do. They score a bunch of runs, and that's what they did in this series. So um, I think pitching-wise, look, you have to get to the point where you can beat teams like that, obviously, if you want to get where you want to go. And they showed that. I mean, they kind of took out some frustration on Sunday, right? They scored eight runs in the first inning, and look, they still gave up some runs in that game. Some, yeah. And... (laughs) Sometimes when you play a team like that, you're going to have to just do your best to outscore them. And so I think that's a situation that, uh, yeah, I think certainly your team got a little better and your pitchers got a little measuring stick of where they're at, and maybe they need to go back to work a little bit. And as an offense, I think, um, you know, it wasn't the best weekend in the world, but then you responded and you played well on Sunday and you kept things going. So I think tonight's a nice step. Um, You know, midweek games aren't the end-all, be-all, but you like to keep winning them. Um, or get back on the winning track after losing one to McNeese a week ago. So you get another shot at them, and hopefully they can kind of turn things around. Again, those these midweek games aren't huge, but they can be RPI helpers when you're playing quality opponents like we expect McNeese to be. Correct. And McNeese has been playing very well of late, last week and a half or so. They swept a weekend series against George Washington there at the Joe. So we expect them to be good as the season uh, moves along, so to speak. And look, this team can hit with the best of them. It, it, it just, they're just so good. They're just so good. And you look at someone like, say, Heath Hood. He's hit safely in all 11 games this season. I, he's hitting a team high 419 at the plate. Right? And this is a quality ball player a consistently great ball player. And Coach Deggs spoke about his ability out there on the field and at the plate. It's been fun watching his development. Uh, you know, looking back through 11 games last year, he was hitting 111, I think, and uh, didn't have a stolen base. I think he's got eight. 
Uh, didn't maybe had one RBI. I don't know. He's got a bunch uh, hitting four something. Uh, you know, playing great defense. Uh, he's a leader on a ball club. Uh, he's he's maturing and developing, and that's what you like to see out of our program is that guys mature and and develop. And uh, he certainly has all the ability in the world. A bunch being 10 RBIs, that's a team best. He's tied with Carson Rockefort, by the way, for that. And Hood also leads the team with eight stolen bases already on the season. So he's the guy that kind of sets the table, right, for this lineup. Other guys have started off extremely strong as well. Carson, after a bit of a slump, he's starting to kind of find himself. Zambo's done a nice job as well. Um, You'd like them to continue developing. This team can rake. We know that. We never had any questions about this team's ability to be able to hit. That's never been the problem. The question mark for this team is going to be its pitching. Because eventually, you're going to have to be in a spot in a series or in a regional where you're going to have to win a 2 nothing game. Can you do that? That's still the big question mark for me for this team. Can they go out there and win a 2 nothing, 3 nothing game? Or are they going to have to out-slug everyone and try to win games 10-8? to eight? Eventually, you're going to have to have the pitching rise to the top for you. Once again, they take on McNeese tonight. They're at Russo Park. They faced off with them. A week ago over at Joe Miller Ballpark, the Joe in Lake Charles and Coach Deggs uh, reflected back on the McNeese game from a week ago. Credit them. They played really good. And it's I always say this, it's not it's never the team, the name across the jersey for me personally or for a team. The game's always within our own clubhouse and, and how well we can play Cajun baseball. And that wasn't it on Tuesday. And so uh, if it's a, if it's McNeese or if it's, you know, name the ball club, uh, I wish we played every day. I've said that multiple times uh, with you guys, uh, but we don't. We'll have a day off today and, and uh, have a meeting in a little while, and then uh, we'll, we'll get after the weight room, and then tomorrow we'll have an inter-squad game and throw some guys that haven't gotten to throw and uh, be ready to go uh, on, on, on Wednesday. Lafayette native and former Turlings Catholic star Ben Tate, who's 0 for 1 and has an ERA of 7.36 on the season. He's going to earn his first career start on the mound for the Raging Cajuns. And McNeese is going to counter with right-hander Burrell Jones, who's 1-0 with a 3.52 ERA. So it should be a good midweek contest there at Russo Park tonight. While that's going on, just right next door at Lampson Park, Number 24 ranked Louisiana will be taking on McNeese. Cajuns are 13 and 8. McNeese is 13 and 7. These two teams already faced off over there at the Longhorn Invitational this past weekend. So they're going to be battling it out again. And Jerry Glasgow, his team, look, it's been up and down starts of the season. The pitching has been obviously. Uh, not where it needs to be, so to speak, but they are trying to make some strides there. And they get to take on a quality McNeese program that's ranked in the top 40 yet again. And Coach Jerry Glasgow talked about facing off against the Cowgirls. 
You know, they always play scrappy. They're a scrappy ball club. They're a very good defensive ball club. Um, they've got some speed that he'll run, and James does a really good job coaching them. Um, they always they always compete well. So they expect there to expect it to be a fight, right? I expect it to be a fight as well. I'll be there at that game. We'll have Matt Miguez at the baseball game tonight, so we got you covered for both of those, and you'll have to look for the stories at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We'll also have our video recaps up as well on our YouTube page at The Game Louisiana on YouTube. And after they get done with this midweek tilt, Glasgow's team gets another opportunity here to try to get some quality wins. They're 2-7 and seven against teams ranked in the top 25. This weekend, they'll go to another tournament in Florida. They'll face Rutgers twice, and they'll face the University of Florida Gators twice. And Coach Glasgow talked about the trip this coming weekend to Florida for his team. Looking forward to going to Florida. Uh, it'll be a little tougher schedule with Rutgers, who's playing very well right now. And then, of course, the University of Florida's top 10, top 11 ranking right now. And... Uh, Another road trip, which, you know, kids are tired. So we'll, it'll test our metal a little bit and find out uh, just how gritty we can we can get. So we'll have to be gritty to go down there and, and get what we want to do and get some wins. Dawson, we're up against the break, but I want to quickly just get your thoughts here. They're 2-7 and seven against top 25 teams. One of those is against the 25th-ranked team in UCF. They beat also LSU, who's currently a top-10 team, splitting with the Tigers. Florida is currently number 11 in Softball America's rankings. They're 14-3 and three overall. Do they need to split with Florida, in your opinion? To do what? Eventually, like, so, eventually, you have to beat the teams that that you have to beat those ranked teams if you want to take advantage of the RPI. Yeah, I mean, but if if you want to, so sure, if you want to host a regional, then that's something you have to do. But if you're just trying to make it back to a regional, you're you're still in f- good shape with that. So, I mean, that's. But that's not. But that's not the goal. His goal is, as we know, yeah, the reason know. why he's scheduled so tough is because he wants to host a regional at Lamson Park. Yeah, and I'm just not sure that they're that team, but we'll see. Um, I mean, they, they've, they, yeah, they got to start winning some of them at some point. The other thing, too, though, is most of their losses are to top 10 teams. I mean, UCLA's ranked second in the country. Florida Correct. State's ranked sixth. Arkansas's seventh. Alabama's ninth. And they'll still get a, a couple more chances, too, right? Because yeah. they'll, they have a, a couple of those midweek. They have at Texas A&M, who's currently number 24 in the latest rankings. Baylor is ranked 12. So those are possibly two top 25 ranked teams that you can notch wins against, which will help ensure you that you get to host a regional, even if things go wrong this weekend at Florida. So that's why I pose the question, do they need to split with Florida this weekend or do they not? It would be a good idea. You know, I mean, it would be <laughs> on the list foot of things answer. to do. It would be good, Cat, if we, if we could win one. You know, I mean, and... You know, look, we'll, there's a couple of things to really see, like, once the schedule gets further into it. LSU's 20-1, and one, but they haven't played much of anyone. So Correct. when they get to SEC play, is that does that win look better at the end of the season, right, than it does right now, or worse, one or the other? So those are some of the things to kind of keep in mind. Uh, the good news is some of your losses are not going to – they're, they're quali- you know, I, I don't like the term quality losses, but they're not going to turn into bad losses. 
because you know Florida State and Oklahoma State and UCLA. I said Alabama earlier. I meant to say Oklahoma State is the team that you actually played. Um, those teams are going to be top 10 teams. There's not really much doubt there So because uh, they've already played the schedule and proved it. So, yeah, you need to get some of these wins, but at the same time, you, you know, it still has been a gauntlet, and you still haven't lost any games that you were, quote-unquote, supposed to win outside of maybe Michigan. Michigan, yeah, maybe Michigan. So we'll see what happens. They'll both be tested tonight with some good midweek games here in Lafayette as McNeese comes to town for both softball and baseball. We're going to take a timeout. We'll update the poll question of the day and wrap up hour number one. That's next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. It's like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, The foodie poll question of the week is the poll question of the day on Wednesdays here on RP3 and Company in the game. Do you like cheese on your hamburger? 79% of you overwhelmingly say yes, cheese is great. 11% say no, prefer a plain burger. 10% say it does not matter. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well. We'll share them throughout the rest of today's RP3 and Company. We got to take a timeout. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two right around the bend. Here on The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company, 703 on the clock on this Wednesday edition of the show. Coming up. Half an hour from right now, Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog from Tiger Details, will join us to talk all things LSU. We've spent hour number one yeah, talking a lot of raging Cajuns. The men's basketball team returned home victorious and had a little bit of a welcome home party uh, shindig, arrival extravaganza, if you will. We uh, uh, documented it, not to worry. It's on our YouTube channel, At The Game Louisiana. You can go check that out. And we talked about how the rest is definitely going to be an advantage for the Cajuns. Playing three games in three days, they get to reset. Greg Williams gets to be healthy, having the turf toe injury that he suffered in the semifinals against Texas State. So he gets a little time to get right. And I think... A little time off would be good for them, but look, Bob is old school as they get. They will be getting back to work sooner than later, if not starting today. <laughs> so you can, uh, they're going to enjoy the fact that they're going to the NCAA tournament. There's plenty of tears. 
in hugs and high fives and, you know, applause, and that's great. But the way Bob Marlin's built, I would not be surprised if they're not getting back to work today on things, even though they have no idea where they're headed for the NCAA tournament, who they're going to be playing in the NCAA tournament's first round. They don't know any of that yet. They'll find that out on Sunday, Selection Sunday, as not only the Raging Cajun men will find out where they're going, the LSU women will find out where they're going as well. Men's Selection Sunday event will be earlier in the evening. The women come later. So that will happen on Sunday, and we'll find out where both of those programs will going. We know LSU will more than likely be a two-seed, which means they'll host their first two-round games inside the PMAC. So we do know that. We just don't know who they're going to be playing. What's the latest, Dawson? You're tapped in. Got it pulled up right now. So oh, my man's already ready to go. Already ready to go. So, so where do we think the Cajuns are going to go? Now that we've had a couple more games, Obviously, the Southland Conference Tournament will wrap up today. That will not impact things. because That, that will not impact things, but that will be someone else that's going to punch their ticket. Right. So, um, And either, either team that goes out of that, A&M, Corpus Christi, or NSU, they're both winning teams. It's not as if someone's stealing a bid there, right? Right, but it also the reason it's not going to affect you all is that the winner of that tournament is going to be a 16 seed, almost definitely. They're um, going to be in the first four game in Dayton. Yeah, 15. Yeah. They if, if a couple of other upsets happen, maybe they can move up to the 15 line, um, Northwestern State or A&M, Corpus Christi, but... That's not going to impact you all. They're going to be safely in front of either one of those teams. So we didn't get anything that we would like to have seen yesterday. There was a couple of events that could have taken place. I kind of talked a little bit about a few of them. Um, The big one that could have happened was uh, College of Charleston. So they played UNC Wilmington. Again, I said that one wasn't a guarantee because Charleston was going to be the hottest bubble team to talk about if they wouldn't have won yesterday. Um, basically, they would have been a thirty and three team or thirty and four if they'd have lost. That would have potentially been left out, but they would have been on the bubble. So if they would have gotten in anyway, then it wouldn't have affected you well. If they wouldn't have, then you would have been bumped up a spot. But they won to kind of take that out of consideration. So College of Charleston remains above UL and has punched their ticket. UNC Wilmington made a bit of a run in that game, but then College of Charleston. Right, took it was care a very competitive game, yeah. and Wilmington's a pretty good team, but that one did not play they've out. Been, how you they, would have they've liked been an to. NCAA tournament team recently. Yes, but they have. Yes. So, uh, other than that, there was a couple other ones that maybe could have impacted you, but uh, ended up not going your way. Um, and the, the the big thing to think about again is that it's going to be about teams that would be above UL in the seating currently um, that are now no longer going to be if they lose and don't get the bid, and someone below you jumps out and takes over it. Um, so no one else in the finals, as far as punching their ticket, no one else had anything. Merrimack College beat. So how about this story? Merrimack College beats Farley Dickinson yesterday. Um, Fairly Dickinson, I guess you should say. But Merrimack is still transitioning to Division One, so they win their conference tournament, but they're ineligible. So Fairly Dickinson loses the game, but gets the bid no matter what. Um, I saw that when we were in Pensacola that they won their semifinal game and they celebrated, and even I want to say cut down the nets because it didn't matter what happened in the championship game. Strange, and yes. I don't understand uh, I was like, why. I was like, what? Like, if we're going to have these transition rules, then why are they allowed to play in the conference tournaments? Um, Correct, because seems... in football, right? We had uh, the, in in this in the Sun Belt, James Madison was not allowed to play for the conference championship, even though they had the better record and should have represented the East. Right. So. 
I don't get it, but either way, that one doesn't impact you all either because Fairleigh Dickinson will be a 16 seed most likely as well. And the only other ticket punched yesterday was Northern Kentucky, who beat Cleveland State for the Horizon League Championship. They will also most likely be a 15 or a 16, and that should not affect the Cajuns. So the big one's coming up, and I'll talk about this because most of the other conference tournaments are getting going either today or tomorrow. Um, and those are so they're still going to be in the early stages, a lot of them. But here's some to watch out for. You mentioned A&M Corpus Christi will play Northwestern State at four o'clock in the Southland. That will not impact UL at all. Um, the other tickets being punched today, Colgate will play Lafayette. So this one is uh, something that's probably not going to affect UL. Most of the publications have Colgate as a 15, regardless, behind the Cajuns. Um, but that one, if Colgate were to lose, they're unlikely to lose. They're playing an 11 and 22 Lafayette College team, but they're 25 and eight. So that one shouldn't really mean much. Um, and then other than that, you just have a ton of first round and quarterfinal games. Montana State will play Northern Arizona as well in the Big Sky Championship. That's another team that's already projected behind them. So nothing going on tonight. But the ones to keep an eye on, as I already kind of mentioned, um, You've got VCU as the projected champion of the Atlantic 10. Dayton would also be in front of the Cajuns, net ranking-wise. But if anyone outside of those two teams were to win the A-10, you could potentially be bumped up a spot. In the MAC, Toledo's projected to be the champion, and Kent State would also be ahead of the Cajuns. But if anyone outside of those two teams wins the tournament, you would be bumped up a spot. Right now, according to Bra- Bracket Matrix, which you know is, is an average, and it has some on here that are pretty unlikely to be true, but uh, it's factoring in basically 121 different brackets that are being projected. It has them as the number one 14 seed, um, if that makes sense. So the top ranked top, 14, top 14 seed. So seed. the first team that would go up a ranking uh, if things were to shape out differently. The other tournaments to watch out for where you only have one team that matters, Yale in the Ivy League is a projected 13 seed ahead of you. If anyone outside of Yale wins the Ivy League championship, then you would be bumped up a spot. And Iona in the MAAC conference, coached by Rick Pitino, if anyone is able to upset Iona in that tournament, you'll be bumped up a spot. So those are the ones to keep an eye on right now. Oral Roberts also punched their ticket in the Summit League. That was a chance for UL to uh, potentially jump a spot, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So, as it's, look, still plenty of action to go through, right? And we'll find out, obviously, more by the weekend where some of these other teams, where they're at, Sunday's events, usually the end of those tournaments, usually really don't impact a team like UL. That said, we feel like they're going to be a 14 seed, right? As it stands right now this morning. Well, I, I think they'll be a 13. I think I think one of these teams is going to lose. I think just the nature of the conference tournaments formats, I don't think uh, all of these will hold. So I, I, I have confidence that they can get up to the 13 line. Which so that means they big. play a three seed? A four seed if they're a 13, a three seed if they're a 14. Well, but 14 right now, they would play a three seed. As a seed. 14, yeah. yeah. If everything were to stay this the exact same right now. But again, I do not see that happening. Also, the, the other thing to keep in mind is they're on that 13-14 line. So there are a lot of publications that have them as a 13 seed already. Um, but it, it comes down to some interesting things. Again, the NCAA and their tournament selection process, they kind of do what they want at times, so you never know for <laughs> sure what you're going to l- get a, here. A little bit, yes. They, they, they tend to, once again, they, they can do whatever they want to do, that we know this. Now, let's look at the sites, though, right? Yeah, we can look First at them. First and second round sites. This is, because this is the big thing, Fans wanting to travel to go to the games. I've already been hit up by 
some folks about, hey, are you guys going to go? Are you going to go cover? And I go, I, I guess it depends on what day they're playing and where they're going. Right? And, and what, what is affordable? Because here's your sites. I already got it pulled up. You're not the only one that can do research, my friend. Birmingham is obviously the most ideal situation for Cajun fans because that's the one place you can actually drive to in a day comfortably. Birmingham there at the Legacy Arena, first and second round matchups. Your other first and second round locations, Dawson, Des Moines, Iowa, Orlando, which you can drive to. I've done it. It's not ideal. You prefer Stop to by fly. and see my friends at Florida State. It'll be perfect. Yeah, this man's already politicking. I thought Miguez was good at that. No, you're very, you're better at that. You're very more, a little subtle, and you just slide it in there. You're not as abrupt. So Birmingham, Des Moines, Orlando, Sacramento, California, the capital of California, by the way, Albany, New York, Columbus, Ohio, Denver, and Greensboro, North Carolina. If I'm a Cajun fan, take away the matchups just for travel purposes. You really want it to be Birmingham. The next on that list is probably going to be Orlando or Greensboro, North Carolina, because you can fly right into either one of those places fairly easily, and those those trips will be uh, somewhat affordable flights. Now, if you're having to fly into Sacktown or Albany or Columbus or Denver, it's going to be a little bit more pricey, hotels, flights, the whole nine yards. Yeah, so look, as much research and uh, kind of like – trying to give out as much foresight and, and prepare everyone for what I can do on the uh, the seed lines and things like that. I'm here to tell you I have no idea where they're going to be sent, and neither does the NCAA at this point, and no. I'm sure Bob Marlin has no clue either. Um, the Basically, the way – look, this is a regional tournament, and I put that in air quotes because it is a very <laughs> loosely created regional tournament. Um, now, especially the, back in the day, they tried to do it a little bit more regionally, I think, especially when travel costs were taken into account. Correct. Now that most of these teams, um, not to say they have all the money in the world f- hanging around to fly around, um, I don't think travel is as big of a concern and as difficult as it was in the past. So now they try to give the most consideration to the top seeds. They will place the top seeds regionally. So if the Cajuns were, look, a top end seed. Now, it's not like the women's tournament where you host regional sites uh, Correct. for the first games. But, um, for instance, last year, the Sun Belt champion was Georgia State. They were a 16 seed. They were a little bit of an unexpected champion there. They went to Portland to play Gonzaga. So, that gives you an idea. Like, just because the Cajuns are in the south-southeast region of the United States no. does not in any way mean they are playing in Birmingham for sure. So, while we can hope that, and you are a little more likely to go there because they do try to somewhat kind of look at it and go, well, if we this team plugs in here, we can put them there. They'll do their best effort, but it does not mean that they're not going to end up in Sacramento or Iowa or any other random portion of America. <laughs> yes, they can go anywhere. Now, your regional sites where you're going to be hosting – your Sweet 16s and your Elite 8 games, right? Vegas, Madison Square Garden in New York City, the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City, and then the KFC Yum Center. That's actually its name, by the way, if you've ever been to Louisville. Sure is. That's exactly what it's called. Those are your four. So, you know, the South region is actually in the South. You know, Missouri is actually in the Midwest. So those, but the the first-round sites that are attached to those regionals, 
Hey, not look, always the uh, even. Final Four's in Houston, so let's lock it in right now. Cajuns go to the Final Four. We'll make that <laughs> trip. That's the easiest of them all. <laughs> you just got to get Greg Williams back and get hit a couple oh, of shots. There it and is. We'll find ourselves cutting down the nets, right? We'll there go to that is. one. I love that man's enthusiasm. <laughs> we got to take a timeout. Don't forget to go vote on our poll question of the day. It's do you like cheese on your hamburger? Do you like cheese on your hamburger? This is inspired by our guy Kevin Foote, who does not like cheese on his hamburger. Now, he doesn't hate cheeseburgers. Don't get me wrong. He will eat a cheeseburger. He's eating, eating thousands of them. But if he had a preference, when we go to a restaurant or something like that, I've you know hung out with him enough, the man will just get the plain hamburger. Do you like cheese on your burger? That's our poll. 84% of you say, yes, cheese is great. 8% say no, prefer plain burger. 8% say it does not matter. Let's get to some comments. Who Dat Forever says a burger without cheese is like a person without a soul. <laughs> Don on Twitter says, I literally posted about no poll right before this popped up. LOL, all about the cheese. Because a burger without cheese is just a cow patty. No, but seriously, cheese makes burgers better. JPK the OD says, of course cheese. Bonus points for a rich creamy Gruyere with slab bacon. Don't chase Uncle Grumpy Footer for a foodie poll question. Bring back Anna Five Names to consult on the foodie poll question. Hashtag never enough cheese. Once again, Foot's argument is that the cheese, or even bacon, if you will, takes away from the flavor of the actual burger. And he just prefers the flavor of the burger. Ralph on the Twitter says, so you're asking if I like cheeseburgers. Yes, as long as... The side is fries, tater tots, or onion rings. Chips belong with cold cuts, not burgers. Hashtag borrowed some salt from Steve. <laughs> borrowed some salt from Steve, which I just love. Let's get to some comments on Facebook. Ryan says, yes, I don't mind a plain burger, but cheese makes it perfect. And Brian says, give me the cheese, but if you're using American cheese, you don't belong anywhere near the grill. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those votes coming as well. Do you like cheese on your burger? Yes, no, or it does not matter. That's our foodie poll question of the week. When we return here on RP3 and Company, Raging Cajuns began spring football yesterday. We heard from Coach Dez. We'll discuss that next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything. But you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Um, so, you know, first day, it's always fun to be back. Uh, you know, we, we've we've put in a lot of work in the offseason. You know, these guys have been really working hard at it. We changed up some offseason things, you know, um, kind of talked about it a little bit. Every team's a little bit different. And this team, you know, we had to change up the way we did the offseason. And I think, you know, the, 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 the core of your team, I think, is built in the weight room. 
Um, you know, there's a certain amount of toughness that's built there. Um, certainly in football is a game where you have to have strength and power. Um, but we did a lot of work in the weight room this year. And you know, our guys, guys came out today and really for the first day competed well. You know, for us, it's about urgency in everything that we do. Certainly, um, we've got to improve a lot of our processes uh, from last year if we want to get different results. So, uh, you know, this all season has been spent doing a lot of um, self-scout, looking at things that we can do better schematically, better ways we can teach it, um, and better ways to put our players in position to go out there and have success. So today, you know, day one install is pretty simple. Uh, these guys, for the most part, mentally can do it in their sleep. But I think the thing about day one, the first day you get out there, you know, in helmets, obviously, uh, the way you start out now. But the first day you get out there and you actually pull the trigger in a football practice, you know, it kind of jumps on your back a little bit about halfway through. It's Coach Dez talking about the first day of spring football. I think this spring season is going to be extremely important for the Raging Cajuns. And, and look, do is spring football overvalued down in the South? Yes. But the second spring, in my opinion, is always probably the most important for a new staff. Because the first, you're just trying to get your bearings, right? There, there was a change made right around the bowl game. You take over. You're not really settled in yet. Even though Coach Des was promoted, and that was a promotion from within, and the, and the team supported it and loved it, you're still working at getting to know your staff. You're still finishing hiring your staff. That first spring, you're just trying to hold on and not drown. Yeah, yeah. First spring in the books, first summer in the books, first seasons down the books. This is where you see growth. We saw this just recently under Billy Napier. Right? His first season was not a great first season either. It was an okay season. But you started to see the team take some big steps starting in spring football that year, and it carried over into the season, and they had a breakout year in year number two. There's a couple of big things here for the Cajuns that I wonder about as they ramp up spring football. And the big one for me is what are they going to do at quarterback? I know Chandler Fields is their guy. I get all that. I do. But Chandler lost the job to Ben. Ben gave him some stability, but now Ben is out. He won't even be ready for the start of the season, it doesn't look like. And by the way, Zeon Chris is coming. Like, like you could only keep him back for so long when we hear reports out of practice of how good he looks, when we see him get into games and he gives the offense an absolute spark, as he did in the Independence Bowl, coming off the bench literally cold and figuratively cold. I, it feels like he's probably their best option at quarterback. And I know Dez is a loyal guy, but how much longer are you going to be able to keep Zion at bay? Like that, that's the thing. How long are you going to do that? Well, you're you're in a really strange position this spring, and and you know I, I think when you start to take a look at it, first of all, last year's season didn't end with the quarterback situation exactly in clear flux anyway, right? Correct. Ben Woldridge goes down after he establishes himself as the starter. He goes down. Chandler Field starts a couple of games. Zeon Chris comes in during the bowl game. Thought maybe it was a benching situation. We come to find out it was a bit of an injury thing with Chandler. And Zeon comes in and plays pretty well. But we went to the offseason having this kind of toss-up in the air of what's going on. Then, of course, the added layer that none of them leave. 
at least in the, you know before spring practice, they all re, you know stay on the roster. Woldridge is going to miss all of spring and possibly some of fall camp. We'll see what his you know injury status is. He might even miss some of the season. We don't know yet. Um, Chandler is going to miss the first week of spring, as we found out yesterday in 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 coach's press conference. He's they're hoping to have him back. It's uh, something minor, but. Now you're in this weird situation where the returning starter from a year ago is not there, so he's not going to be able to quote-unquote compete for his job. Um, and then you have Zeon, Chris, and Chandler Fields who are now going head-to-head, but then Woldridge is going to re-enter that equation at some point. So it's a weird, really weird scenario. Ooh. And I would imagine one of these two guys that's playing in the spring is going to be named the starter, and it's unfortunate for Ben Woldridge because he didn't do anything necessarily to lose his job but other than get hurt, right? But that's somehow how these things happen. But, yeah, you talk about a spring, and then, look, when, when we kind of – Reevaluate things at the end of spring. Does one of these guys jump in the portal? Is another thing to keep an eye on. Yes. I imagine it's not going to be Woldridge because he's hurt and he's trying to rehab his way through. He's not going to leave. So does Zeon or Chandler leave? Keep an eye on that. Um, I think Chandler would obviously be the more likely candidate to go because of how long he's been here and kind of the difficulties he's had winning and keeping that job. But you got a lot to figure out. And I think the spring's a first step. It's not going to tell us everything we need to know, but it's going to be a first step. And I think, look, these two are going to get a ton of reps. And right now they're short at the position. Coach Des was throwing some routes yesterday, apparently, in practice. He's he's throwing one of the quarterback lines. And Lance Lejean is playing a little quarterback as well in the spring just because they don't have enough bodies right now at that spot because Chandler's out and Ben's out. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It is going to be interesting to see. And you mentioned he he talked about the injuries and gave us an update on who's going to be ready to go and who's not going to be ready to go. And this is what Coach, Coach Des had to say when it came, comes to injuries for spring football. I guess I probably should have brought that day one, huh? Um, Jordan Lawson is out for the spring. He had surgery at the end of last year. He's doing well with his recovery. Uh, ben Woolrich is out. Um, Kendrell Williams is out for the spring as well. Um, those are the three that that are definitely out for the spring um and we got some guys that are that are out today um you know Jamarian's out dealing with a couple of things but he's going to be fine he, he ought to get back in the mix pretty soon here a couple other guys have some nagging things but they'll, they should be fine we should, like i said chandler should be back at the end of the week so um really we're, we're really pretty healthy right now um for a starting point and you know certainly spring is Spring's always a double-edged sword. You want the execution, you want the competition, you want all that stuff, but you certainly want to come out of it healthy too. So, um, you know, we're in a pretty good starting point, um, and and hopefully we can continue to practice and take care of each other in a way we can stay that way. Obviously, your top priority is staying healthy through spring football. That's always the top priority. Uh, But they're going to have some interesting battles. Wide receiver, is someone going to step up and become the number one there? Running back? How's that going to pan out? And and once again, it's you're going to be it's going to be difficult if Zeon balls out in spring ball, and you don't go with him. Like it's just going to be hard. I, I have no personal beef with Chandler Fields, but we know we understand what he what his ceiling is. We've seen his ceiling. Zeon's ceiling's higher. It just is. He he he. When I see him play, it looks like a more bigger, stronger, and athletic version of Levi Lewis. And that was someone who was really good for the Cajuns for a long time. You mentioned, uh, you know, Lance Lejeune, that's someone that's interesting. They utilized him in kind of a joker role last season to get him on the field. He's a tremendous athlete. What are they going to do with him? How are they going to expand his role? What are they going to do there? And Coach Des spoke on that as well yesterday. 
No, no, no. He, he's he's got a chance to be, you know, probably wide receiver one. You know, if, if he can continue now, and I say that we've got guys in that room that are players. You know, I mean, you got Jake Bernard and Pete who have played a lot, and there's a bunch of young guys that looked really good today that you're going to know their name before long. But um, Lance, I, I believe Lance is an NFL wide receiver. I believe that with everything that I am. The Wildcat thing is something where when you have a unique athlete like him, it's a way to be able to use him, right? It's a way to be able to kind of put a wrinkle in there. And now you got a plus one, you know, with a quarterback run. You know, you've got all these things, and then you put it in his hands. And we did it a little bit last year at times. You know, Marshall, he got in there and did a couple of things, had a big first down at the end of the game. Um, you know, but last year we were focused on trying to get him in the offense, understanding the receiver part of it. He's got a really good understanding now. So now it's, okay, well, let's add this part to it. Um, but, no, I mean, Lance, Lance is – Lance has got a chance to be really special at receiver. Um, it's just as unique as he is, you know, there are times where you want to put the ball in his hands in the backfield and say, all right, well, you know, let's let's go do it this way. The man said he could be an NFL wide receiver. And he's coached the wide receivers there, and he's coached guys that have gone on to the NFL. That could be a huge game changer if they can develop Lance. I, use him as an actual weapon. Whew. That could be a big-time Big time, big time for this program. I was not ready for Coach Des to say that he believed Lance was an NFL wide receiver. Caught me off guard there. And Dawson knew it would catch me off guard. That's why he told me to play it. Yeah. <laughs> I asked the question also, just for the record. And he, because the reason I asked it the way it was and the reason he answered it, answered it that way is because he started talking about Lance being Wildcat quarterback and that they were running more Wildcat stuff for him. So I was like, well, wait, Coach. Is he is he playing receiver full time as well, or is this going to be like kind of a hybrid role, something like Taysom Hill, you know? And and then he said, well, no, 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 he's he's going to be wide receiver one most likely. And then he kind of elaborated Ooh. or said potential to. He didn't say most likely. He said the has a good chance to be the wide receiver one, and and then kind of elaborated on they're going to also use him in the Wildcat, but don't get it twisted. He's he's a wide receiver right now. I like that. We got to take a timeout. We'll talk more about. UL spring football and LSU spring football as the week progresses and as the weeks progress as well. Right now, we got to take a timeout. When we return, the Mad Dog, Ron Higgins, will join us from Tiger Rag to talk all things LSU. Tiger details. Sorry, from Tiger details. Previously of Tiger Rag. Whew. I need some coffee. Too bad I don't drink it. You're listening to RP3 and company right here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. What a great Tiger. Half the week is in the books, which means it's time to talk Bayou Bengals with Tiger Details columnist, the mad dog himself, Ron Higgins. Here is Hold That Tiger on RP3 and Company. Oh, we are efforting the mad dog, Ron Higgins, to join us to talk all things LSU. We'll see if we can get him on here shortly. While we have a few minutes, though, there is the foodie poll question of the day. Do you like cheese on your hamburger? You know, I know how my daughter would react to this poll question. You know how my daughter would react to this poll question? Do you like cheese on your burger, yes or no? She would go, Daddy, is there another option of chicken fingers or chicken tenders or chicken nuggets? She's a big chicken 
Big time chicken. She loves the chicken. When we go get a kid's meal somewhere, hot dog or chicken, she is not down with the burgers. Her daddy, all about the burgers. Make them stuffed, covered in cheese, Put a, make a hamburger pull boy or cheeseburger pull boy, it doesn't matter. But baby girl, Hattie Elise Parch, HP1, she will say, no thank you on the burger, no thank you on the cheeseburger, can I get a hot dog or chicken tenders instead? So, just letting you know, that's how that would roll with the little one. Right now, 85% of you, though, say, yes, cheese is great. 8% say, no, prefer just a plain burger. And 7% say, it does not matter. You'll eat a cheeseburger. You'll eat a hamburger. It does not matter. Back in the day, back in the day when I worked at Hardee's, oh yeah, very long time ago, more than 30 years ago. We used to have a thing where it was one night a week. We would have quarter hamburger night. So we spent the entire night just making up hamburgers and cheeseburgers. (laughs) So you could buy as many hamburgers as you wanted for a quarter. Cheeseburgers cost you 35 cents. Did I have nightmares about all the hamburgers and cheeseburgers I made back in the day? You bet. Because <laughs> you just sat on that line and you just kept putting burgers down and burgers down and burgers down is all you did. And in between putting down cases of burgers, you had to scrape the grill. <laughs> so... Keep those votes coming on our foodie poll question of the day. Do you like cheese on your hamburger? Yes, no, or does not matter? And leave your thoughts, of course, on Facebook and the Twitter. You just got to make sure to keep it clean for the kids, though. Just saying. Let's head out to the game hotline. Welcome on. The Mad Dog himself. The award-winning columnist from Tiger Details. Oh, Ron Higgins joins us now. Mr. Higgins, how are you this morning, sir? I'm good, and I'll say no cheese. No, no cheese? cheese? I'll say he see see Kevin Foote inspired this poll question, Mad Dog, because he says he has he has no problem against cheeseburgers. He's ate a thousand of them, but for him, he prefers just the flavor and the taste of the burger, and he feels like cheese takes away from that. Is that where you come down on? Yeah, plus if you if you get some cheese, it's not great cheese. It just kind of ruins the burger. You want to taste the, the meat and the seasoning. Uh, obviously, Kevin Foote has done much research on this in his life, and <laughs> he's probably devoted a lifetime to of research to this, and I, and I, I bow to him on this. So, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd go with that. But, you know, I mean – uh, I've had it both ways. I mean, but, but I mean, look, look, if I get, uh, they, and they don't have them here in Louisiana. Uh, I mean, uh, Crystal Hamburgers and also White Castle Hamburgers, uh, which are, uh, they have them in the north. They have them in Nashville, but Crystal's big throughout Tennessee because it originated in Chattanooga. And it's basically a, a steam bun and a little hamburger on it and some onions and pickles and mustard. Uh, and you can eat them by the bag full. And 
Yes, sir. I'm from Mobile, where Crystal was very big as well. So yes. Yeah, and I, and I put if you put cheese on those things, it just kills really the essence of the, the hamburger. So yeah, I'd say I'd mean. There we go. Yeah. My man is also rocking a Manning Passing Academy ball cap. Looks like it's fresh out of the box. Good look today, bud. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The LSU men's basketball team is forced to play a basketball game tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so, but Georgia, after they beat LSU, I believe they have not won a game. They've gone on a, a severe skid. So LSU is uh, playing a team that is absolutely fading and not playing good basketball after kind of a strong start, a surprising start for the Bulldogs. Do you give Matt McMahon's team any chance whatsoever of actually getting a win in Nashville tonight inside the Bridgestone Arena for the SEC tournament? They got nothing to lose. I mean, they've lost everything. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, the, the turnovers has killed them. I, I looked it up. They average probably like, you know, like 15 points a game in conference play and turnovers off of turnovers and uh, like 12, 14 turnovers a game. So it hadn't been good. Uh, they got nothing to lose at this point. But, you know, this could be the last time this team plays together. Who knows when he's going to come back. I mean, that's uh, that's the problem now with, with NIL. The problem with the team, it's uh, not very good. The problem with the program, it's kind of in limbo because the NCAA still doesn't say anything to them. So uh, you would like to see him, uh, some of these guys say together. I think their freshman class was pretty pretty solid and had played well at times. Uh, uh, and there's other underclassmen. If they want to come back, they can come back. But uh, – it's almost like people just want to get this game over with so they can really focus on baseball and women's basketball and, and the spring football, which starts Thursday. Uh, uh, so, yeah, they, they kind of want to get this over with so they can move on to other things, honestly. I mean, All right, uh, so I have a question about that. Uh, one of our listeners, Ralph, says, could you ask for some advice from Mad Dog? So, obviously, you're very gracious with your time, Ron. So, he says, Ralph says he has a dollar. Should I bet LSU at 1,000 to 1 to win the SEC tournament, or should I take my dollar to the dollar menu at McDonald's? Oh, I'd definitely go to the dollar menu. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I would. There you I'd, go, I'd, Ralph. I'd be, there, I'd be there right there, Ralph. I didn't even put the wager on, on that. I, I mean, me, me, me in, in my notorious sports betting career, where it seems like I bet these unbelievable type bets and one guy doesn't come through for me many many times uh, leaving me saying that was a tremendous bet you put together why that one guy let you down but in this case ralph's a very safe bet i like the bet <laughs> there it is there it is we're talking with the mad dog ron higgins he joins us here on rp3 and company uh, the women get upset by tennessee but you know, they had their hands full with the Lady Vols when they were in Baton Rouge as well, and they were able to pull out a win there. Uh, Tennessee switches to that zone and just frustrates uh, Kim Mulkey's team. Uh, they only lose for the second time this season. Uh, Kim Mulkey's a veteran coach. We know she doesn't love conference tournaments anyway. She's going to take this and work it to her advantage, isn't she, them losing like that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like she like she wasn't a, a fan of conference tournaments for, even before this. Uh I thought LSU played hard at times, 
but I didn't think um, they. I thought that some of them looked really tired. I thought Angel Morris looked tired of disinterested. Uh, Angel Reese, I mean, looked tired of disinterested in in uh, in, uh, in 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 the Tennessee game. I mean, and she was kind of out of it the first game too. Uh, I think I think they'll be ready to play when it comes. To, you know, they'll. They'll play their first two rounds at home, and, and we'll find out Sunday night what, who that's going to be, when it's going to be. But uh, they'll be ready, and I think I think they'll be fueled for this one. Uh, uh, I think the Riders pulled; they dropped four or five spots, which was stupid. I mean, I just. Uh, but that's not going to matter for the tournament. They're still going to be. It'll matter. It'll matter to them. Uh, they feel disrespected. Uh, and I kind of get that. I think they've been disrespected all year. I really do. Because of the non-conference schedule, people have consistently written them off. Right. Uh, you know, and uh, I hardly ever really notice this. I, I don't get into this kind of stuff at all. But I'm watching the, 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 the broadcast of the LSU-Tennessee game. And I, I keep wondering why the, the play-by-play announcer, every time the Tennessee did something, her voice went up like about five octaves. I and mean, this sheer excitement. I'm like, wow, it's kind of obvious. I went and looked it up, and she was a, uh, a, a University of Tennessee graduate uh, doing the play by play. Of course, of course. Uh, Mad Dog, can you uh, hang tight for a little while? We got to take a, a, a quick break. We come back, we'll wrap up our conversation. You got a couple more minutes, bud. I'm here to serve you, Raymond. That's what I live for. <laughs> Thank you, brother. We got to take a time out more with the Mad Dog coming up right here on RP3 and Company. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, the Mad Dog rejoins us here on RP3 and Company. Only got a couple minutes here, bud, but I want to wrap it up with this. I could ask you about the LSU baseball team beating up on the Little Sisters of the Poor, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to waste your time with that. We discussed earlier, they, inspired by the poll question, you know, back in the day, I worked at Hardee's, first frying chicken, and then I worked the line as a line cook, and we used to have hamburger night, quarter hamburgers. You get a fresh hamburger only for a quarter. A cheeseburger costs you 35 cents. And I had nightmares how many burgers I have to make back in the day. Do you have any fast food nightmares or restaurant nightmares from your days in your youth working to make some money, bud? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I worked at McDonald's for three weeks. I was the three weeks fish apple pie guy. But I quit the day that the manager said, uh, Listen, uh, and I saw this coming before it happened. Some little, and I can say this because I was a fat kid at one time. Some little fat kid decided he's going to eat as many hamburgers as possible and then run around as much as possible until he exploded what he ever had in his stomach all over McDonald's, okay? And the manager goes, I, I, I need you to go clean that up. And I said, uh, nah. Mad Dog, thank you so much, brother. Nah, I'm sorry. You can have your minimum wage job. Uh, and, and then I went and got a job selling sporting goods. 
and uh, and they also sold guns in this place. And the manager did not like it when I said, listen, why don't we combine uh, uh, selling handguns and ski masks? He has a free ski mask with a handgun. <laughs> Uh, he didn't like that. He, he didn't care for that idea. <laughs> Rod, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you, Tom. Enjoy your day. <laughs> I'm an idea guy. Just, you know, just come to me like that. <laughs> That's going to wrap up hour number two here on RP3 and Company. we got one more hour left on this Wednesday edition. We'll kick it off with Jay Walker, the voice of the Raging Cajuns. That's next right here on The Game. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Eight oh three, and that means we only have one more hour left to go here of RP3 and Company. Coming up half an hour from right now, Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour Podcast will join us, talk about the Derek Carr signing, and look ahead to the offseason. What type of moves should the Saints be making, and what should they be doing to prepare for the draft? What type of position should they be targeting? That'll all be coming up half an hour from right now. Also, don't forget to go vote on our foodie poll question of the week. Do you like cheese on your burger? Yes, no, or it really doesn't matter to you. Once again, this was inspired by Footsie. My man is very vocal about the fact that he feels that cheese and bacon takes away from the flavor and taste of the burger. He just likes a traditional hamburger, no cheese. He'll eat a cheeseburger. He won't scoff at it, but if he had a preference, it would be just a plain hamburger. Many of you came in with comments. We'll make sure to share those throughout the rest of today's show. But right now, it's time for us to talk Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Men's basketball team came home yesterday victorious. You can check out those videos, once again, on our YouTube channel, at The Game Louisiana. That's at The Game Louisiana to check out their return home victorious as the Sunbelt Conference Tournament champions. To talk about that as well as a little baseball is our good friend, Jay Walker, the voice of the Raging Cajuns. Jay, it's as if I just saw you the other day, bud. How are you? Uh, that's because you just saw me the other day. <laughs> I'm um, I'm good, you know. Um, I'm a take-it-or-leave-it guy when it comes to cheese. I, I can Sometimes I'll order cheese on the burger, and sometimes they'll ask, do I want cheese, and the answer will be no. Um, so I'm a take-it-or-leave-it guy. It depends on where I'm at. Really, when it boils down to, it depends on if it's a quality burger or not <laughs> for me. You know? Well, and you know what? I'm, and, you know, I, I think that that's got some merit. Um, you know, I when I was in uh, Pensacola, we went. I went to a restaurant near the team hotel and um, ordered their double cheeseburger, and I thought the cheese took away from the flavor of the burger. Um, so, you know. Sometimes depends on the burger. I should have ordered that one plain because the burger itself was really good. There you go. There you go. There we go. My man. All right, bud. Cajuns victorious. They play three games in three days. They get pushed in two of those games. 
and find a way to gut out a victory. And now here they are. They're going to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2014. What's the thing that stood out to to you personally about this Cajuns team and how they performed in Pensacola? Uh, I think, you know, just as it's been all year long, uh, they did it together. They, um, I thought that they were – I thought they played very well as a team. And I also like the fact that, you know, everybody's going to try to take Jordan Brown out of the game. They've been, the people have been doing it all year long, and they're going to continue to do it when the Cajuns play wherever they play next week. But I thought the coaches had a really good game plan about what to do when that happened because if you notice, when they went in and did the double team – Seamus folks was almost always in position to make something happen. Now that's coaching. Okay. And uh, so I thought, and, and I don't know who had the scout. I, I honestly don't remember, um, but they did a good job of making sure, you know, if you double team somebody, somebody's going to be open, but they made sure they knew who was going to be open. And then they told them what to do once he got the basketball. Yeah, and the thing that really stood out to me is Themis took advantage of the situation. And look, the, mm-hmm. South Alabama said, look, we don't believe that you can score against us. We're not concerned about it. And he made them pay. And, you know, he really set the tone early with those first couple of three-pointers. And yeah, you're like, oh, oh, here we go. And, and in a game where Jordan gets doubled, where Greg Williams, we find out later, actually had suffered turf toe and had to be limited and, and was taken out. Kentrell Garnett did not have his shot falling. The fact that Themis was able to step up in a big way uh, it just speaks volumes about his mental makeup, but also about this team. It seems like every different game, there's a different guy that steps up. Well, I think you're right on both counts. You know, Themis, Themis is a really confident kid. You know, he, I'm not going to say he plays with a chip on his shoulder, but he's a really confident kid when he's playing out there. He trusts his abilities and he trusts his game. Um, you know, one of the things that's helped the Cajuns to 26 wins this year is this is a deep basketball team. They're going to play 10 guys uh, every game, and some are going to play more minutes than others. But there have been many times this year that you've seen some of the reinforcements step up and have big games. We've seen Joe Charles uh, have a big game. We saw in the um, in the game that where Jordan didn't play this year that uh, that uh, Kobe Julian came out and you know had like 16 points that game. And you know Jalen Dalcourt is a senior that comes off the bench, and um, boy, he stepped up big in the tournament. And the the shot that he made, I guess. I don't know, a minute and a half left. He took a, about a 10-footer in the lane and knocked it down. It was probably the biggest field goal of the entire tournament. And, uh, and he did a nice job stepping in for Greg in the, in the second half of that game. The other thing that steps up to me, uh, you kind of just is, is apparent to me, is Terrence Lewis II. You know, he may not be the biggest guy. He may not be the strongest guy or the fastest guy. But he does all the little things you need a basketball player to do. I know he made the all-tournament team, but, man, he has become so valuable to this team all season long, and he definitely showed up again in the tournament. You know, it's funny because, you know, when he's, when he's not on the – if he's coming on the court – I'm sorry, coming off the court, or if you see him, 
you know, away from the arena. Terrence is never in a hurry, okay? He, uh, he kind of shuffles around uh, kind of slow, but, uh, and, and his facial expression doesn't change very much. But he's an intense guy while he's on the court. He plays so hard. And one thing I learned about him early in the season is how much he just loves to win. Uh, and, and it's going to do whatever, whatever it takes to help his team. On top of that, you know, team pulls up yesterday, okay, uh, at the athletic complex. And, you know, there's a, there's some university employees, few fans that are there to greet him. Terrence Lewis last one off the bus. Well, the reason he was last one off the bus is because he was cleaning up the back of the bus and making sure all the trash was taken out of there. Um, and nobody asked him to do it. And he didn't assign that to some freshman or a manager. He did it himself. Now, Tony Robichaud used to talk about servant leadership. That is the definition of it right there. And Terrence Lewis, is, is, he's, he, he's just a big-time dude in my book because he does so many things right. And, uh, but the thing that he loves to do the most is he loves to win. And uh, he was a happy dude the other night. We're talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. What does this win do? Someone asked me this. Uh, I've been asked this a few times off the air, and I want to get your take on it as well. What does this win do of getting back to the NCAA tournament do for Bob Marlin and maybe how he is perceived amongst the Cajun fan base? You know, I don't know. I, I, you know, there's the the vocal part of the fan base, and and I think we all know who we're talking about. Um, you know, have taken the, a step back and and said, man, you know, this is really good. And but you know what? As soon as as soon as they go out and have a 16 and 14 season, those same folks are going to be out there with the barbs and the darts and everything else. Um, you know. If, if fans, or a certain segment of fans, if they would understand, first of all, how hard it is to win a championship. I mean, look, right. They won 25 games. If they don't win Sunday night on Monday night, their season's over. They're not going anywhere. That's how hard it is to get to the postseason. Um, and I think when you, when you take a look at things, since winning is so hard, the man's been there 13 years. He's got three championships. Now, some fans don't count 17-18 when they set a new school record for wins and for one of only two times since they've been in the Sun Belt Conference with number one seed going into the tournament. There are a lot of fans don't count, say that doesn't count because they win in the NCAA tournament. You know, look, there are a lot of coaches that in 13 years don't win three championships. Um, fans always want more. I get that. And I respect that. But um, I've never had an issue or a question of Bob Marlin's ability to coach basketball because I've watched him coach about 500 games. And um, no, not that many, but, you know, the over 300 games. And I, I, I know enough about basketball to know that the man can coach. So, you know, for some people, it's going to be an eye-opening experience for others that eye-opening experience will be 
um, un- until they have a, a, a mediocre season, and then they're going to re- go back to being who they are, you know? And that, But that's the way fans are, and that's okay, okay? Fan stands for fanatic, and they have every right to feel the way they do. But, uh, but I don't know that it does it, – I think for the, the average fan, the non-vocal fan, those that buy tickets go to games but, you know, but, but aren't you know, uh, on the Internet and all that other stuff, I, I, I think those are the fans – I mean, look, this is going to go a long way to season ticket renewals, okay? Uh, and it's going to go, I think, a ways toward getting new um, – maybe getting some new season ticket holders. That's the most important thing, not necessarily, you know, the, the really vocal folks. But, it, you know, if it, if it shows up in ticket sales and attendance, then you'll have the answer to your question. You like this? I know it's all based on matchups. I get that. And it's hard to project because we won't find out until Sunday. But this is a veteran team. This is a close-knit team. Do you like their chances of maybe being able to pull off an upset in the NCAA tournament, Jay? Well, you know, you said it yourself. This is all about matchups. Um, I don't know where they're going to be seated. My prediction is a 14. I don't know where they're going to go, who they're going to play. But if I'm right, they're going to play a three seed, which means they're going to play a very good basketball team. Uh, I know the coaching staff will have a plan. I also feel like whoever draws the Cajuns are going to be drawing a, a, a 14 seed with with a major college player on it. I'm talking about Jordan Brown, of course. Uh, And that's going to make their scouting a little bit harder. But I'll say it right now. Every time you see an upset in the early rounds of the NCAA tournament, there's one thing in common. Guards still rule the game. And when teams go out and they go out and they get seven, eight, nine, 10, 12, three-pointers, those are the teams that get the upsets in the tournament. So I really think that for the Cajuns, it's going to be their ability to shoot the ball from the perimeter. That's going to have a lot to say about whether or not they can advance to the second round. Jay, appreciate your time as always, brother. We'll get you out of here with this. Big night tonight back at home here in Lafayette. As both the softball and baseball teams welcome in McNeese, these are good quality programs, good opportunities for some midweek games. Uh, what are you looking forward to in either matchup? Well, you, we, the, both teams need to start winning games that they can and should win. Um, you know, I think uh, Cajun softball is better than McNeese softball. Um, I think playing at home, uh, Cajun baseball should beat McNeese baseball. So that's what I'm looking for. You know, beat the teams you're supposed to beat and let the rest take care of itself. Um, I'm interested to see Ben Tate tonight because Tate's first two appearances, he walked the ballpark. And then his last appearance, I think he only walked one and two innings of work, and he's got really good stuff. So I'm interested to see if he can go ahead and take another step forward in his development because the Turling's Catholic product has some really good stuff but it's all about throwing strikes for him. And, and so that's my curiosity for the game tonight. Jay, appreciate your time, brother, as always. Enjoy the call tonight. Thank you for your time, bud. We'll talk to you next week. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Go Cajuns. 
This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day. Do you like cheese on your hamburger? Yes, no, it does not matter. Right now, 76% of you say yes, cheese is great. 17% say it does not matter. 7% of you say no, prefer a plain burger. Mr. Green says, so the place in Arneville, hashtag no free ads, has an amazing burger with cheese. Also, Forkham Demons didn't want to play UNO, and they showed why. Need one more win, and then we can dance. Let's go. Hashtag Demons, hashtag NSU, hashtag Demons Unite, hashtag NSU Demons. I think my man's happy about his Northwestern State Demons being a proud alum of NSU, as Mr. Green is. You think he had enough hashtags in there, or he probably could have added a couple more? <laughs> you need a few more. need a few more. B-Rad on Twitter says, yes, love one with sautéed mushrooms and Swiss topped with A1, not on a barbecue burger, though. In that case, sauce only. There we go. Salty Steve says, real cheese, yes. Not the fast food cheese that gets as hard as the Ten Commandments, if not eaten immediately. What is that made of, anyway? If you get a hole in your wood floor, you can patch it with that and stain over it. Try it. It works. <laughs> T. Wirtz says, not mad at them either way. And sharing a gift says, seriously, I'm attracted to both of them. Likes them both. Regular hamburger, regular cheeseburger. Does not matter. T. Wirtz is flexible. Cajun Rockin says, for once I agree with Foot. The people agree with Kevin. He's a man of the people, you know. John Paul says, it does not matter. Hamburgers are awesome, and the person that in- invented them should be sainted by the Catholic Church. They have brought so much, so many pleasure. My first week offshore, I had a hamburger for all three meals, all seven days. It was a great week. <laughs> the man, man says it was a great week. Had hamburgers every day. That sounds like a pretty good week, though. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not, a, it's not a bad way. It's not a bad week there. So did we get you to chime in on this, D'Lo, how you feel about the burgers? You remember we had the whole pizza thing with the Yeah, you compare, but you went to pizza. You went to pizza. So if you go to a new burger place, you're going to want to try the burger by itself. Now, let me ask you this. Do you have all the condiments on there? Do you have all the lettuce, the tomato, and pickles? Or do you just say, hey, first time here, I'm D'Lo, can I get myself a plain hamburger with nothing on it? No, no, because but because I don't do that because ground meat is ground meat, and yeah, maybe they can season it a little bit better, but I don't I don't necessarily. So when I go to a burger place, what I would do is look for from their signature burger list, you know, from their list of okay. you know pre-made options, the one that appeals to me the most, and order it how it comes. The only exception is I'm not a fan of tomato on my burger. Um, so I'll, I will probably ask for no tomatoes if that's on there. And then I'm not a big fan of mustard in the right situation. Like on a crystal burger, it doesn't bother me. What about Whataburger? Whataburger likes having mustard on their burgers. That's a yeah, good burger now. Well, see, at Whataburger, I go with the patty melt. Oh, there it is. You can't. 
I can't hate on you for that now. Yeah. Can't hate on so, you for that. That's a good that's a good you know, move. Yeah. It's a good yeah. move. Now, let me ask you this. When you're going to a fast food place and you've already tried their burger and you know what you're going to get out of it, right? Does it matter if it has cheese on it or not? Or do you specifically order it without cheese? No, I I just kind of whatever I'm in the mood for. And if I mean I don't order I don't order a fast food burger often. I usually opt for chicken, whether it's grilled. There we go. Or uh, or occasionally like a you know like a Chick Fil A spicy chicken sandwich. I tend to pick chicken. But if I'm going for a burger again, if it's a burger that comes with cheese, I'm not going to take it off. But if it doesn't come with cheese, I'm not going to add it in. You know, I'm typically going to stick with how that burger was uh, originally intended to be served. Now you're a healthy young man. You keep saying that. I I, fit, I hope I'm as you healthy work as you out, think I right? am. Right? You work out. You take good care of yourself. Let me ask you this. Is your decision to go with the chicken option based on because it's healthier than the beef option? Sometimes, yes, but also I just love chicken. You want to talk is. about a versatile food? I've already done this with potatoes, but chicken's just a it's just a poultry item that can just go any direction you want it to go. Any direction. Any so. direction. Now, I will point out to this. For those who want to go with the more healthy option, which chicken would be the over beef. That said, if you're getting your chicken sandwich to be deep fried. Right. You might as well go. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's not a win. Right. <laughs> By right. the way, that's which is not why a win. I said it, it, it depends. If I'm going for the healthy, yeah, I'll go with the nice little grilled chicken salad or maybe a grilled chicken sandwich. But, you know, occasionally a fried chicken sandwich it doesn't hurt anybody, right? No, I mean, look, look at me now. Who, who, who's the? <laughs> do I, I know. Do, do I look like I'm complaining about chicken sandwiches? Right, now? right. Now I know we uh, we don't give out free ads, but who's the winner of the chicken sandwich wars in your opinion? Because that was a big that was a big thing about a year back. Oh yeah, you know, Popeyes came in strong. They were so good. And the thing is, I never go to Popeyes to get it, but if I had to pick a chicken sandwich, it would probably be that one. Now, when they first came out, it was. Popeyes was strong, right? You know, strong in the paint, Tough hard to in the one, paint though. there with 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 the, the sandwich. Now, couple years have gone by, starting to slack here a little bit. I, it hasn't reduced my chicken sandwich consumption from Chick Fil A. The sandwich artist's not really crafting it with as much care these days, huh? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> well, it's just like anything else, right? When something new comes yeah. out, oh, it's it, it, then and management's then, down there checking on every sandwich, <laughs> approving it to before it goes out on the right. Line. It's a limited thing. I, Popeyes was not prepared for how popular it was going to be. No, they were not. Right? Um, they were not. Uh, but you know, look, good chicken sandwich. Whew, can't go. I mean, look. Yeah. You can't go wrong. Someone recommended to me because my daughter, she's all about the chicken. Right. When we go to places and get the kids meal, it's, you know, if there's a hot dog, corn dog option or chicken tenders option, that's where she's going. She's never going to choose the burger. It's just not her jam. It's just not how she rolls. Now, Ton said, hey, my guy, get HP1 to get a chicken sandwich. Just add the cheese. Could be a game changer for her. Maybe so. Maybe so. Here, here's a here's a one. While we're on the topic of burgers, have you ever had a peanut butter burger? I can't. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, because I'm allergic. Now you could do it once. Uh, I could do it once as long as someone was on standby. Yeah, a little. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's it's not that bad. My 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 allergy is not that severe. Let me just point out. Someone actually, Kevin asked me about this. It, so I developed a peanut allergy when I was like 25 out of nowhere. Wow. 
and I had to do all the purging. Like I had to uh, give up strawberries, chocolate, fish, and peanut butter or peanuts. So I had to give all those things up, purge my system, and then slowly incorporate one at a time. And the last thing was peanuts. And I used to eat peanut butter right out of a jar with a spoon. Like I didn't even need bread. It was just like, give me a jar of peanut butter. And I, I could do that. So I love peanut butter. I've never had the opportunity to try a peanut butter burger. But I feel like it could be amazing. It's not bad. It's a Now I've only had it That's from, not a ringing endorsement by the way saying something's not bad. Well, okay, cuz I know that I don't want to become an enemy of the people here because I know it might not be a popular one, so I'm going <laughs> to kind of softly give my opinion, but I think it's uh, it's something that if you're if you like peanut butter and then it's that sweet and salty combination, right? Which peanut butter has on its own, really, it, you know, by being a sweet and salty yes. thing in yes. general. And so you know, you you kind of add that in. Now it was something where the burger that I had with it, by the last few bites, I was kind of over it. You know, I finished it because it was there. But for the first few bites, so it might be better in like a slider form Ooh, okay. where you have a smaller, because again, I don't know, it was just like a few bites in, you know, I, I was like, okay, that was good, but now I'm kind of just not really feeling this anymore. But the first few bites were, were a flavorful explosion for sure. Explosion. Love the explosion. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave those comments on Facebook and Twitter. We'll make sure to share them before we sign off today. Right now, though, we got to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to talk all things black and gold. They got their man at quarterback, Derek Carr. Andrew Juge will join us next right here from the State of the Saints podcast on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. The give to Camara. Breaks through. Spins at the two. Into the end zone. Touchdown. Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Andrew, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Uh, everything's good. Look, I, I think we're going to have trouble uh, mining topics to talk about today. It's going to be difficult to come up with something. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what you come up with. Outstanding. Outstanding. All right. Um, you know, what's uh, what's going to happen at backup quarterback? No, okay. So, <laughs> you get your man, and some people uh, were like, wow, that's a lot of money, a lot of guaranteed money, but we see what the market is is uh, making teams pay for quarterbacks. We see the deal Geno Smith uh, has received. So quarterbacks are getting paid. Even guys that are middle-tier guys are getting paid. How do you feel about the Derek Carr deal? And how do you feel about how this offense is going to look with Derek Carr leading it now? Well, first of all, I, I think it's a deal that's uh, kind of spot on just in terms of the, the value. And in fact, I think it maybe leans a little bit towards favorable to the Saints. Um, but but it, it's a correct contract. I mean, look, I, I think regardless of how you feel about Derek Carr, about whether he falls as the eighth best or the 15th best quarterback uh, in the league, I think most people agree that he falls somewhere in that zone. And uh, yeah, like you said, look, Daniel Jones is a guy that, uh, is going to get more than that. And, and obviously he's younger, but I don't know that he's demonstrated at any point 
uh, that he can play at the level that Derek Carr has played. Uh, and as you mentioned, Geno Smith just got $35 million a year. So it's absolutely the going rate for a player at that level. And uh, look, I think there's also a reality that when you're the Saints and this year you picked 29th and over the last several years, really, they've never really been in the top five to be able to take a top prospect quarterback. It's difficult to get guys like this. It's difficult because teams tend to overdraft these kind of players. So you really do have to get a top five pick to really get one of the best ones. Uh, and even later in the draft, you know, we're, we're constantly seeing quarterbacks get overdrafted. So it's hard to kind of align where you value them versus where they get picked. And then in free agency, look outside of maybe Deshaun Watson, where you had to give up a massive contract and compensation last year, uh, or maybe Kirk Cousins a couple of years, several years ago when he was a free agent, it, it's pretty rare that guys like this just become available on the open market. So uh, the Saints were fortunate to get them. Uh, as far as how they look offensively, look, we'll see. Uh, I know the Saints are very excited about him. They really feel like they got their guy. Uh, and it wasn't just about filling a position of need. There's no question that they needed a quarterback. Uh, and that was a situation, a, a, a hole that they needed to fill, if you will, from a positional standpoint. But I think it's bigger than that with Carr in the sense that one thing the Saints in particular were really crazy about with him was his ability to make pre-snap reads. Uh, he's really strong in that area. He's known for his ability to audible, uh, to read a defense and make adjustments. And that's kind of a staple of the Saints offense. And we, we've seen how Drew Brees operates within it. Uh, Derek Carr is obviously not Drew Brees, but one strength, one area of his game, which is really solid, again, is this ability to make reads pre-snap. And that's one thing that Pete Carmichael really wanted. Uh, that's one thing that they felt like could be significantly upgraded from Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. And so I know the Saints feel like they got their guy. Does bringing in Derek Carr, does that make Michael Thomas, if healthy, once again, I know that's a big what if, does that make him more encouraged to want to stay in the fold and want to be part of this team, to be part of what they want to do? You know, Raymond, I got to be honest, this, this one kind of caught me su by surprise. Yeah, there are reports out there that Michael Thomas is open to uh, maybe reducing his salary and, and taking some of the risk away from the Saints, and, and he's interested in coming back. And I got to be honest, I, I just – covering this player, the mental makeup, uh, the kind of attitude that he's had on social media, the, the rift between the player and the team just in terms of how his injuries and, and the management of those injuries have gone – on, from both sides, really, I, I'm surprised that he, he would be open to that. Uh, but, yeah, I think as we sit here today, I think maybe a few weeks ago I would have said this was headed towards a divorce and uh, that the Saints – really, it was up to Michael Thomas all along. I think the Saints would absolutely want him back if they could take a little bit less risk. Uh, obviously, that he hasn't played for the better part of three years, and I think it's a situation where – the Saints just can't continue to pay him the contract that he has because he hasn't been producing. And so to me, in a perfect scenario, the Saints would absolutely welcome him back at a more palatable deal, a deal where they felt like maybe it was incentive laden where there's less risk, but he does end up getting bonuses if he's able to meet playing time standards. And I just, I, I never really considered the, the possibility that Michael Thomas would be open to that. Uh, so I have to say this caught me by surprise, but that report is out there. And yes, I think as we stand here today, the door is open to Michael Thomas returning on a different deal. And uh, look, I, 
I think we all know that if he can stay healthy, he's still capable of being a really special player. And I know Derek Carr would love to have him in the mix. Uh, so hopefully it works out. We're talking with Andrew Juge of the Saints Half Hour Podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Now that you got the quarterback in-house, and, and look, let's not even talk about Michael Thomas, whether he's going to be here or he's not going to be here. It, you know, that's an unknown. We don't know the answer to that. But we do know that this roster has a few holes in it that need to be addressed. And if they do so, now that they got the quarterback, they can be a playoff team. D-tackle springs to mind. Running back springs to mind. What do you think is now going to be the priority for the Saints front office uh, with these positions of need heading into the draft, heading into free agency? Well, the good news is they have three picks in the top 70, and they kind of checked off a major need at quarterback. So they don't need to worry about that position as much. And, yeah, I would agree with you. I would say unless and until Michael Thomas comes back, and even if Michael Thomas comes back, I think a contested pass catcher is in the mix there as well. You want a guy that's able to move the chains. On third and three, you need a guy that can catch a slant and get you a first down. Not necessarily a, a wide receiver that's your number one guy, but just a guy that's physical – and can get you those tough yards because that's not really Olave. That's not really Rashid Shahid. As special as they are, they're field stretchers. They're guys that can do more damage intermediate level down the field. And so you need a consistent receiver in the shorter range, especially in those tough red zone situations, those tough third downs, third and short. So uh, I think that's a major need. You hit the nail on the head with the other two positions, running back and defensive tackle. But the, the good news is they can address those positions now in the draft with these three top 70 picks. And uh, they don't have to go quarterback. They don't have to force force themselves to trade up to go get a guy that they're worried they're going to lose because otherwise the next quarterback is a significant drop-off from the one they like. So uh, I think there's a lot more options now and, and a better path to kind of improving this roster. And look, let's be real, Raymond. And this isn't even me singing praise of Derek Carr. I, I don't think he's – I mean, I, I think he's maybe bottom tier of the top ten or, or maybe – high up on the top 15, you know, between that 10 and 15 zone in terms of how good he is. So I, I don't think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think he's solid. I think he's a veteran that knows what to do. I think he's a good fit for this offense. But ultimately, when you look at the NFC South and we kind of take stock of how terrible it was last year, I really think based solely off the addition of Derek Carr, this vaults the Saints into the favorite to win the NFC South. So I think as we stand here today, and then we'll see what happens with the other teams in the division. Uh, we'll see what kind of moves they make in the offseason. Atlanta and Carolina both have top 10 picks, so they'll have an opportunity to make themselves a lot better. Uh, but as we sit here today, to me, the favorite's the Saints. And so uh, that that was a big first move to set them up for success this offseason. They're obviously going to have to nail the draft. They're still going to have to get cap compliant. We'll see how aggressive Kai Hartley and Mickey Loomis get there. But uh, this is, uh, I think, a big spring in the step of the Saints having a good offseason and setting themselves up for a good season. So they're going to have flexibility, right? Because they can just sit there at 29 and take the best player available that fits their need, D-tackle, running back, maybe even an interior offensive lineman like a guard, a left guard in particular. That being said, running back is something that intrigues me. I, I've said I feel like they should probably draft a guy and sign a guy in free agency, especially now that you have no idea how long Alvin Kamara is going to be out because we do anticipate him being suspended at least six games, maybe even eight. Do you think that's the approach that Mickey and company will take 
drafting and signing a guy in free agency at running back? I think they should. Uh, I, I think for too long the Saints have relied on veterans uh, to be in the mix at running back, and they haven't really invested draft capital in a while at that position. Uh, you look at Mark Ingram and Latavius Murray before that, and Mark Ingram again before that. So, you know, Kamara's had kind of a complimentary cast of guys that have been veterans, and uh, they really ha- running back is a young man's game. I mean, we know that in the league that a lot of times it's these rookies and guys on first first time contracts that make the biggest impact in the league at that position. So if I'm the Saints, like this is the year to draft a guy. And look, I'm telling you right now, if John Robinson's available at 29, I don't think he falls that far. But if he's there, I sprint to the podium. And that that has to be the pick. And I think that would be true if Alvin Kamara wasn't getting suspended. Uh, and obviously, we're still waiting for that to resolve. So we don't know exactly how that's going to land. But I think it's fair to expect a six-game suspension. I think that's probably where it's headed. And uh, again, I, I would make a selection at running back if I didn't know about the suspension. So if you assume the suspension, I think that makes the need to kind of make that room better and, and get somebody good at that position even stronger. So, yeah, I, I would support that. I would support adding a running back if you can get someone on a pretty decent deal that you like as a veteran that can compete and be in the mix. And then, look, I, I don't think you can force it as always in the draft. I think you have to be careful about making sure that the value stacks up to your board and uh, that you get a guy that kind of is good value at your pick. But I think 29, taking a running back would, would be a defensible move and make a lot of sense. You know, and I look at it like this. When you're picking 29, a lot of times – if you pick 29, the primary positions, you're going to get maybe the fifth or sixth best guy in the draft. I'm talking about quarterback, receiver, corner, edge rusher, tackle. You pick any of those positions at 29, you're probably getting the fourth or fifth best guy at that position in the draft. But if you go for the secondary positions, and this is where it gets interesting, because to me, the secondary positions are the positions you just talked about, which are the positions of greatest need for the Saints. Defensive tackle, running back, uh, guard. You can get maybe the second best, third best, maybe the best if they fall player in the entire draft at 29 at those secondary positions. So I actually think the Saints are in a pretty good spot in terms of where they're slotted to get a really special player at a position of great need. Andrew, appreciate your time as always. Brother, keep up the tremendous work with your podcast, the Saints Happy Hour podcast, one of the best ones out there, bud, and we'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Raymond. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, man, time is running out if you want to score the Monster Truck VIP giveaway because they're coming back. The Monster Trucks are coming back to the Cajun Dome. You can be there. The toughest Monster Truck Tour returns March 17th and 18th, and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, has a VIP package 
to the toughest monster truck tour. Go enter in our rewards club. You can find that at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Once you do, you'll have the ability to enter to win the VIP package, and that's going to include four tickets and access to the pit area, a merchandise certificate, lunch with the truck drivers on that Friday. It's a great package, but time is running out. The Toughest Monster Truck Tour is coming back, and you can score that VIP package courtesy of the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, but you need to go sign up for the Rewards Club and go enter to win today. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Ron Higgins, from Tiger Details, Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and of course, Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Our poll question of the day is our foodie poll question of the week. Do you like cheese on your hamburger? Yes. 80% of you say yes. Cheese is great. 14% say it does not matter. 6% say no. They prefer prefer a plain hamburger. Thanks to all who voted on the foodie poll question of the day. Thanks to all who left their comments on Facebook and on the Twitter. We appreciate you. And thank you for making us part of your morning. We greatly appreciate that. Also, let's give a big shout-out to the man who joined me this morning for this three hours in the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Dawson Iserlow. D-Lo, great job today, bud. Doing what we can with what we got. (laughs) You're doing great, man. You're doing great. So there you go, man. You've been killing it this week. We're out of town. You had to handle that. Oh, it's been fun. You had to handle a lack of sleep with yours truly yesterday and here we are man man we're rocking and rolling brother sure rocking and rolling sure are shout out to you bud shout out to you that's gonna do it for us today we'll be back on tomorrow six to nine right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles but until then be safe out there be kind to one another kevin foot and footnotes is up next right here on the game southwest louisiana sports station